BioWatch with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Robots Podcast. Today's episode is going to focus on a new security solution for those of us who use mobile payments and smart devices. We'll be talking about a vein-reading biometric watch, to be precise. The idea is simple enough. The pattern of veins in our wrists is unique to us, much like a fingerprint. So by designing a system that can read that pattern of veins when the watch is put on, the new technology ensures that it can only be used when worn by the right person. It is called BioWatch. The watch essentially matches the user's stored reference wrist pattern, verifying their identity every time they strap it on. If an unauthorized individual tries to use the watch, it will be locked. Our interviewer Mike Singh spoke to Matthias Vanon, co-founder and CEO of BioWatch, to discuss the technical challenges of building a miniaturized wrist vein reader and how this device changes the usual user authentication process. Hi, welcome to Robots Podcast. Hi, Ms. Singh. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Matthias Vanoni. I'm a CEO and co-founder at BioWatch. It's a Swiss-based company that I created after one year of PhD study at uh, Ecole Polytechnique Fédérale de Lausanne, where I was working on vein biometrics. And uh, so I decided to create a company and start being an entrepreneur. And I'm sure we'll have time to talk about this, uh, this new concept we are on. Can you tell me a bit about uh, the, uh, the product that you're currently developing? So at BioWatch, we are making a, a small module of electronics that can add on your watch strap. And, um, and this piece of electronics is featuring a wrist vein reader to make sure that uh, only you can wear this device on your wrist. And uh, we also have the, the whole electronics that allows you to key as a password manager or as a, um, as a, as your new wallet credit card payments badge access so it's uh, it's two things actually a way for you to replace your wallet your password your keys but also a system that only you can use due to biometric recognition of your unique wrist vein pattern yeah uh, so what was the motivation behind starting this? My co-founder and I, we understood that um, the way biometric was used nowadays uh, was a bit too much uh, of a big brother way of doing it. And, uh, and uh, a third way for biometrics, as my co-founder uh, is happy to say, was about making things more personal. So a biometric reader that you would own with your biometric data that, that you keep private um, 
combined with a device that uh, will allow you to access um, services, premises, devices. So the motivation actually uh, comes from my co-founder 30 years from now when he invented this uh, this new concept. It's both making things more personal, less big brother, and um, and very much convenient. So how is using this different from using other biometric identification methods like uh, fingerprinting or, or iris recognition? So it all, it all comes from... Um, a new paradigm. Uh, um, authentication, as it is done nowadays, requires that you authenticate before accessing to a service or a device or a premises. Anytime you want to access, you will have this authentication step when where you will have to show a fingerprint, show your face, show your voice, your iris, or whatever. In our case, we change this paradigm and we ask the user to authenticate to the wearable only once when he's putting the wearable on in the morning, let's say. You show your wrist vein pattern, it activates the module, you close. Um, the system will be active as long as you wear it and don't uh, open it. And you can start using it to replace um, uh, badges, password, keys. Uh, and over biometric reader, you don't need anymore to uh, to do something to prove that it's you. Uh, your watch is doing it for you. So you just have to be there. You just have to to be close to the door and it opens. You just have to um, to open an app and you're in. You just have to uh, to put your wrist to the reader to pay no pin code, etc., etc. So. Uh, we suppress authentication from our daily life and this can be done just with a wearable. Um, that's where, that's why biometric, traditional biometric solution, uh, cannot compete because, um, they will never tell you on what wrist the wearable is. It's not the f fingerprint, voice or face that will help you s make this tie link between the wearable and, and your body. Um, the wrist vein pattern is is able to do so, and that's why we're exploring that. So, can you describe what it looks like? Like, how big is it? Uh, where does it go? On uh, you said it attaches to um, wristbands or watches. So, how does it attach? So, it can take several form factors, but let's focus on on one. Um, it's a deployment buckle. Um, but you you see um, a lot on the wristwatch, but that can fit most of uh, of straps, a deployment buckle that have been redesigned to welcome to host uh, a modular uh, piece of electronics that you can clip on it. So you you have to see it in two parts: an electronic module that clips in a redesigned deployment buckle. Okay, so it's a um, it's a clip that attaches to uh, your watch band, and then it just stays there with your watch. Yeah, it's becoming your clasp. Ah, I see. It's, 
it, it, you change your clasp system by this um, deployment clasp. Oh, so it replaces the watch clasp. Okay. Exactly. And uh, how do you manage it? Uh, so do you, do you log in on your computer to um, set preferences and profiles, or is there is there a touch screen? So as you understand, uh, focusing on this um, watch clasp, our technology doesn't um, uh, show you any screen to interface with. So it's very discreet, uh, and you don't have a lot of interaction with the module. Uh, but we do have Bluetooth low energy and um, with a companion app on your desktop or on your mobile, uh, you can interact with the module and uh, put your setup preferences. Uh, you can enroll. You are guided by the app to uh, first time to show your, your your vein pattern and make sure that you linked this device to you. And you can also pair some uh, services like password manager, access card, uh, credit card, whatever. So via the app. Ah, okay. So how does someone uh, actually use the device? You mentioned that you can just put it near um, something you want to unlock. Do you have to press a button or does it just recognize it? So when you emulate um, an NFC contactless card, you just do with your wrist what you would do with the plastic card. So you just... Um, you just tap on the card reader, and and that's that's it. So this this is especially of use for payment, um, and also for accessing uh, subways, transportation, uh, or buildings. Um, and um, for other use cases, you will leverage Bluetooth, BLE. Um, especially for um, password management, when you will connect to a website and instead of entering your password, you will just uh, uh, click on um, login with BioWatch and uh, by Bluetooth, we will take the password stored in your BioWatch and, and putting for you to the website so you will not see the authentication step, just one click. Uh, it can take several aspects, uh, you know, when you interact to, uh, with a service. It's uh, mainly de it depends mainly on the third party's service uh, that is compatible with the BioWatch, you know, for, for the final user interaction. I see. So how but does we do have buttons? Mm -hmm. Excuse me, you're, ah. you're right saying that uh, also we we have some buttons for direct interaction with the module. Sometimes it can be very useful to confirm that you really want to to use your BioWatch for for a service. Uh, but that's it. But it's very depending on the third party's um, way of designing the user interaction. I see. How does the magic happen? What sensors do you use in the watch band to uh, to detect veins? So we are using a miniaturized near-infrared uh, camera with a custom lens that we designed by ourselves. 
um, surrounded by uh, near infrared uh, LEDs. And uh, this is the whole sensor that you need to take uh, a raw image of your wrist vein pattern. The infrared um, is very great for and uh, for improving the contrast between the skin and the blood. That's actually what my co-founder invented 30 years ago. He was uh, the patent inventor of vein biometrics based on this concept of uh, infrared illumination. Um, so that's one sensor uh, for the biometrics. Then, uh, obviously, we have microcontroller um, and other chip, secure chip, for making all the, um, the matching, the algorithm, and, and the hosting of uh, third parties' protocols, services. Um, and as I mentioned before, we have NFC chip and uh, Bluetooth chip. Uh, so we can connect to uh, smart objects and the Internet of Things, etc. Mm -hmm. How do you power everything that is in the device? Do you have to charge it daily or uh, get a re battery replaced every so often? Uh, we are using a rechargeable battery. We expect the lifetime to be at least two weeks. Um, it's quite small battery because we have a volume constraint uh, working on the strap on the clasp level um, but still as we are not making a lot of biometric authentication once or twice a day we don't use so much energy and the rest of the of the energy is for the use case for the for opening a door for payment extra and it's quite uh, punctual quite short in time and doesn't um, need a lot of resources in terms of uh, energy. So by concept, by making just one-time persistent authentication, we are saving a lot of uh, on the energy. And uh, that's why we are quite optimistic um, with uh, this two, two or three weeks of uh, autonomy on a single charge. Ah, so, so the idea is that you can... Uh, just authenticate once when you put the watch on, and then you don't have to keep uh, redoing that, and then that helps save battery as well. Yeah. So you you start to understand the concept. It's um, it's one time biometric authentication, and then it's uh, hassle free access to services. So you don't you don't do authentication step. Uh, there is no biometric recognition at that moment, so you are quite sure that it will work all the time uh, because it's just based on on cryptography on on uh, third parties protocol. Uh, but there is no algorithm of biometrics there that can fail. Uh, no. So yeah, the concept is becoming more and more clear, but. We are very good on convenience, and uh, this is with no compromise on security, because um, the biometric we use uh, is uh, is performing good, um, making a difference between you and uh, an imposter. How do you represent the vein scans? Is it as an image or another type of representation? As I told you, we have um, a CMOS camera, infrared camera, but uh, it's a uh, it's an image uh, to start with. So you have um, 
you have a grayscale image uh, of your wrist with your veins um, much more visible, much more black than the rest of the skin. And um, all the magic of our algorithm uh, is to detect automatically the veins from the background and um, and to match it with a, a pre-enrolled uh, template. Um, that's where you have a bit of computer vision and a bit of machine learning also. So you have uh, the, these grayscale images and then you try to match them with a previous one that was stored? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like Touch ID on iPhone. You have to enroll your your biometric uh, for, only once when you get the device first time. And um, this uh, enrollment uh, stage will uh, lead to an enrollment template uh, that is stored inside the device, uh, inside your wearable. And uh, in, anytime you will want to activate it, you will take a new image that will be processed and compare with the enrolled image. I see. Uh, what if someone is trying to break into the system or um, circumvent the security somehow? If they have a copy of... Is it possible for them to get a copy of either uh, your your vein scan uh, or something else or a representation of it and then um, and then pretend that they're you? So uh, one thing first, uh, vein patterns, wrist vein patterns is not something that is easily accessible. It's not on um, FBI database or government database or police database. Or, uh, or any company's database, just like face or fingerprint can be. It's not something that is left behind on any items you touch, like uh, fingerprint can be. Uh, or it's not something we can find easily on the internet, like face. Um, it's what we call the closed view biometric versus open view biometrics. Uh, that's that's one first advantage on for vein recognition. Um, the second thing is that in our case with BioWatch, if you want to take advantage of the device of someone else, you will first have to steal the device. Uh, okay. It's not, um, a sensor that is, um, on the ATM machine and uh, you can go whenever you want and, and try to, uh, make an attack. Um, you will first need to access the device, meaning that you will need to steal it. Uh, that's one protection. Uh, you cannot do remote attack, blah, blah, blah. Um, then, if you want to attack the system, you will need to show a fake fingerprint, a, f a fake uh, vein print. Um, as I said, it's difficult to have access to the pattern of the victim. Uh, but even if you manage to have access to the vein pattern of someone that you want to make a fake, you will then have to make a fake that is living because vein pattern is, is, a, is a living pattern with, with blood pulsating. It's not dead. 
and uh, this will limit the attack uh, of a paper or 3D printed or whatever. You know. it, it would have to be very much more sophisticated. Um, then accessing the pattern of someone uh, cannot be done by um, hacking the electronics because we are securing the, the template of the users in secure elements. Uh, it's um, hardware chip that um, cannot be hacked uh, uh, via software, firmware, or even a direct hardware act 0.01 extraction level. Um, very secure, and uh, and we also don't uh, store actually the raw image. We store a representation of it, so still it will be difficult to reconstruct it. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, things that make it maybe not impossible to hack, uh, but very difficult. That's it. So if I'm using it and uh, for whatever reason, maybe I forget to charge it and it runs out of battery, does that mean I can't get into anything anymore? Or are there any fallbacks that handle this? Um, first of all, you will be able to use all the alternatives. You can go back to passwords. You can go back to your access cards, to your credit cards, to your car keys. Um, most of the time you have a lot of different fallback um, beyond BioWatch. Uh, this said, if you... Um, if you want to use your BioWatch, even if it's um, no powered, um, there are a few things we could do with NFC, as um, NFC doesn't require to be powered to give access to some functionalities. So still you could do something. But this do something is very depending on what third parties, service providers want uh, want you to do with no power. Um, so it's it's the purpose is to take the full to use BioWatch full potential as long as there's battery, and um, and that you go back to alternative solution, not that convenient, not that secure. Um, the one we are using today uh, with your phone or with your wallet, with your card, with your brain, whatever, um, as a fallback. Are there some challenges that we haven't mentioned during the development of this or during the ongoing process of development? Well, the list is, uh, is quite impressive if you want to go through all the challenges. But, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we had the first uh, challenge on miniaturization of the, the optics. So the vein reader is can can be sufficiently small to fit nicely in a in a clasp. Um, so that, that was redesigning our own lens. Um, we did it. Now the challenge is um, to industrialize the process. Um, but we it's a challenge, but uh, still we have uh, a roadmap for that. Huh? But that's one. Um, the second one is to make all the electronics fitting uh, such a small volume. So it's uh, it, it's very um, 
uh, it's very difficult to manufacture the PCB. It's a state of the art um, precision. Not everyone can do that. So um, it's, it's a bit uh, a bit of a challenge in um, manufacturing the electronics, let's say. Um, then we have a challenge in uh, uh, making all the algorithm for uh, vein recognition, um, fitting the chips and uh, the limited amount of computation and, and memory storage, um, while improving the accuracy of the algorithm um, on a on a regular basis. Um, this is this, and then you have challenges in uh, building the ecosystem. So developing an API destined to third parties that would be sufficiently uh, uh, sexy and, and well done. So uh, third parties can really leverage on it and create compatibility um, because with no service compatible with your bio, then uh, it would be just useless. Um, so the challenge is in um, converting a a wide ecosystem of services um, and price is also a challenge um, at some point if you want to really reach mass um, so several but uh, you have the main so you had to uh, redesign your technology redesign the lens you also had to make it make everything fit in uh, such a small form factor, which brings up issues with um, manufacturing precision that is uh, that may not be that is not always sufficient, uh, and you wanted to improve um, the vein recognition algorithms even with limited computation, uh, and then additionally you wanted to after all of this is good, you want to make other people use it as well. Uh, so you are developing um, an API that uh, is ideally easy to use for other people um, so that third parties will integrate it and then people can use your device. And make it quite cheap so it can be affordable for most of us. Yeah, that's a good uh, summary. And uh, so I know that BioWatch was a winner at a number of startup challenges, including Kickstart Accelerator. Can you tell me about the experience of participating? Uh, Kickstart Accelerator was uh, very interesting in terms of business development um, because we had access to a lot of um, their sponsors uh, who are corporates, Switzerland-based corporate, um, some are, are banks, uh, and uh, we see that we have a very great traction in uh, the banking industry. So um, that was interesting for, for that. Um, and and uh, also we accessed to masterclass and um, improve our education uh, in different uh, Domains such as uh, uh, marketing or, or fundraising, uh, pitching, presentation, all that. So, overall, um, 
11 weeks of, uh, of good networking and good business and uh, good education. Wow, it sounded like a well-rounded experience. Yeah, and, and Zurich is quite uh, of a nice place to stay. So I, I think it, it ranked often number one or in the top five uh, best place to live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you if you had to start BioWatch again, is there anything that you would do differently? Mm. Uh, yes. Um, I started um, to make a prototype, miniaturized myself, without any uh, hardware architect. architect. And um, it took me time, it took me money uh, through partners. And actually the, the result were uh, just a waste of time and money, and it's useless. And um, BioWatch was starting to be on track only when uh, um, so a good CTO came in and uh, we found the good partner. So um, I would say that if I have to start again, I would put more uh, attention in um, onboarding um, technical people uh, able to carry most of the uh, electronic uh, design, uh, technical technical aspect, uh, hardware, I would say, of so, the project. So you want to bring in, or you wanted to have brought in uh, technical people earlier and then they can work on the parts that they are specialized in rather than you trying to um, do things on your own. Yeah, I, I I started to do things that were not uh, on my expertise, uh, skills, and uh, and it just doesn't work uh, that well. And uh, if you ambition to make um, a state of the art product, something that is really really um, 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 small. And uh, at at the point at the I say at the edge of uh, what uh, electronics can do, um, etc. etc. It's better to partner with someone who, who has the skills, technical skills, and focusing on what is uh, is my strength. So I would say I would say that um, I would reconsider. Um, the team members I would onboard before spending very much too much money on prototyping. I see. What is the future of your company? Where do you see BioWatch in two years from now? In two years from now, I, I see BioWatch on the wrist of uh, of some people. Um, so, meaning a, a product that uh, is going live. Um, with a high growth um, and that um, people can uh, already uh, testify that it's a, it's a game changer. Um, just that would, would make me happy if uh, this few people could be a million people <laughs> that would be a, 
a very great achievement. Thank you. Thank you, Mason. And that's all for today. As always, you can find more about robot-related news, stories and features on our website at robohub.org. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Biowatch with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.